Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC Vegas 38 live from the Apex. Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker in the main event. There's a lot of other fun fights on this card, too, although some people might find it underwhelming. But I'll tell you what, we are not going to do here on this show here. We are not going to talk about those main card fights whatsoever, because this here is the prelim primer. Instead, we'll be breaking down for you guys only the prelim portion of the show. Now, for those of you who might be curious, why are we doing that? Why are we only breaking down the fights that are right there at the front that maybe people care a little bit less about? And the answer is really simple. The answer is that we know you guys have heard about Kevin Holland, who's on the main card, Aspen Ladd, Macy Jason, of course, Johnny Walker, and Tiago Santos. But there's a lot of these names on the prelim portion of the card that you don't know. And that's where there's money to be won, whether you're playing daily fantasy sports or you're gambling, or maybe you just want to win that pick'em contest. Now, before we get to breaking down those fights, I did want to mention that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there's more previews, recaps, analysis, podcasts than you can shake a stick at. It's all too much, and when you're looking to get the insight to give you an edge, it can be hard to block out the noise from what really matters. And that's why you should download the All-Star app, because they provide you with expert commentary, including some stuff from yours truly, from some of the most respected names in the sports world. And all of that incredible content is packaged into an intuitive, fully interactive app right in the palm of your hands. And it's free. That's right, completely free. And there's lots of other great features to the All-Star app that I'll tell you about a little bit later on. But for right now, just go to the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store or the App Store or by visiting the theallstar.io. Now, to help me break down these fights this week, I am joined once again by one of my very favorite co-hosts joining me today. From the Fix Fights podcast with Kurt and Ben, Benjamin Abrigo. Benjamin, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. All right. And as you guys know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Joe Selecki versus Jared Gordon. So, Selecki 3-0 in the UFC. He last won a decision over Jim Miller back in April. And here he is on the prelims. He's going to be fighting Jared Gordon, who last got beat by Charles Oliveira, but since then has won back-to-back decisions over Chris Vishgold and Danny Chavez, the latter of which was in February. So my question to you to kick this one off, Selecki has been controlling people in all of his fights, and some people who are pretty damn good grapplers, including the aforementioned Jim Miller. Is there any reason to believe that Jared Gordon here could be different and could possibly stifle that wrestling game of Joe Selecki? You know, I think Jared Gordon is maybe the scrappiest. No, obviously, I always picked Jim Miller, and I think I was on this podcast previously when Joe Selecki fought Jim Miller, and I probably picked Jim Miller in that fight. But I do think Jared Gordon is, like, a bit of a step up in terms of, like, um, physicality, scrappiness, and ability to, like, not be completely held down. But by that same token, like, I'm pretty high on Joe Selecki, especially after the Jim Miller fight. Um, and we saw even, you know... Jared Gordon is an all-arounder, and I think he might even have better striking than Joe Selecki here. But uh, we've seen Jared Gordon be put on on his butt before uh, by lesser wrestlers. I think even in his last fight, Chavez took him down. Um, so I actually think this is this is a pretty favorable stylistic matchup for for Selecki. That being said, you know Jared Gordon is a guy who's like hella tough, and I feel like can never be written off. Yeah, and I think you're right about him being a little bit more scrappy. Like, I have a little bit more faith in, like, 
I don't know, probably the sprawls than Jim Miller. Jim Miller, right. once he gets to his back, might have a better triangle than than uh, Jared Gordon does. But I, I'm not sure necessarily that he scrambles better or that him up against the cage is going to, you know, dig his underhooks better and get off the cage better. So I, I definitely agree with that. But you're right. I, I've seen him put on his butt too many times to really believe that he's got anything to stuff Joe Selecki. I guess then that just leaves the question, do you think Joe Selecki here gets his second UFC finish or do you think this is another decision? Man, I think this is a decision. I think Jared Gordon is crazy, crazy tough. Um, and if the, if there is a submission, I'm calling it right now that it's a technical submission. He puts Jared Gordon to sleep. There's no way I see this guy tapping. I love that bold prediction. I am going to take him by decision as well, though, too, because I I just think, you know, Selecki's good in there. He, he's got good ground upon. He's got good submissions. But, um, you know, as you said, Jared Gordon's tough. And it's not like Joe Selecki is otherworldly with those things. Uh, and that brings us to our second fight, which is Antonita Shevchenko versus Casey O'Neill. Shevchenko won and two in the last three fights in the UFC. She last got submitted by Andrea Lee. That was back in May. Casey O'Neill, 2-0 and in the UFC. Her last win was a rear naked choke victory, a standing rear naked choke victory of that over Laura Procopio. That was in June. So my question for you here is Casey O'Neill, who, who some people were pretty high on her striking too, it seems to be dominating people on the ground in pretty much every fight we've seen of her so far, she did to Shanda Dobson and then the aforementioned Laura Procopio. Do you think she should be trying to do the same thing here to Antonina Shevchenko? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not like Casey O'Neill is like, right, she's getting it done on the mat, but it's not like she's like a wrestler grinder. She is just physically um, aggressive. She is she she can puts a pace on people. Um, if the takedown is there, she's going to take it. And if there's punches to be had on the ground, she's going to take those as well. Um, and I think that's pertinent to this fight because kind of the book is is a little bit written on Shevchenko at this point. In that, if you can physically overpower her, if you can put her on her butt, um, she can't really handle that. And you know, there's no shame in that. She is 36 years old. Um, she is. Good on the on her feet. I'm talking about Shevchenko now, but I don't think powerful enough to scare off Casey O'Neill, who is young, hungry, and pretty fearless in there. And I think that's really all she needs against Shevchenko. Yeah, and, and you know, you made a good point about her not being able to really hurt anybody on the feet. Not that she's not a good striker, but she can't really hurt anybody on the feet or hasn't shown a real, you know, affinity for doing so. Mm-hmm. The only times you've seen her do it on the regional circuit, too, are in the clinch. And you got to imagine if, if in the clinch and she lands, you know, happens to be a good knee that, that you know, Casey O'Neill feels and gets pissed off at, the, the takedown's right there then. You, you don't want right. to throw that knee again because Casey O'Neill's going to catch it and put you on your ass. So, like, even the parts of this fight that I think Antonito Shevchenko could possibly have success in, they just lend themselves to being countered immediately by an area that Casey O'Neill is going to look a lot better in. And, and to be honest... I don't hate Casey O'Neill in the clinch either. Like you said, she's a scrapper. She pushes forward. She's fearless as all hell. So, yeah, I kind of like her pretty much wherever this fight goes. Uh, How do you see it finishing, though? Man, I love, especially in this division, I love a flyweight that finishes fights. I got Casey O'Neill by, like, second round, maybe ground and pound stoppage. I'm I'm pretty high on her. Yeah, I think so, too. I think she's probably going to get a finish here. I'm going to go with submission, too. I'm going to say she gets a rear naked choke when Shevchenko gives up her back. Uh, late in this fight. So I'll take her third round rear naked choke. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We'll take a quick break and we will be right back with round number two. All right, guys, one of my favorite features of the All-Star app, it's got to be the player bios. Because if you're looking to do a little bit of research on, let's say, an upcoming fight between Tiago Santos and Johnny Walker, well, all you got to do is you got to click on that fight, which, first of all, super easy to find. It's right there in their scores tab. 
you not only get when that fight is happening, but you get opening and current line. So you can see the line movement right there, right in the app. Plus, you also get the open and current lines for the over-unders. So again, you're not just getting betting lines, but you're getting the change in those betting lines. And it's even more than betting lines. They have full records dating back to their pro debuts and so much more information on these fighters all right there in the palm of your hand. But of course, only if you go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Carol Rosa versus Betch Cohea. So Rosa, 3-0 in the UFC. Her last win was a decision victory over Jocelyn Edwards. That was in February. Betch Cohea, meanwhile, won 3-1 in her last five fights. She's coming off a loss to Pani Kianzad. That was in July of 2020. So we're talking about her being away for almost a year and a half at this point in time. My, my question to you is that, like, you know, prime Betch Cohea scaring people off with her hands as much as maybe she was actually doing that or as much as the UFC was hyping her <laughs> as having actually done that. But that was the that was the, the game plan out on Betch Cohea, right? Is there any amount of that left in her at this stage in her career, which we can assume this is probably her last fight, that could slow down what Rosa has been doing, which is really a ton of output? Yeah, I mean, I was so impressed with Carol Rosa in her last fight. You know, Jocelyn Edwards, not like a world beat or anything, but I was like on the feet, on the mat, the wrestling, everything she put it together. Um, to answer your question, though, you know, Betch Cohea, she's going to be scrappy for sure. I don't think she's going to quit here. Uh, but skill wise and athleticism wise, I feel like Carol Rosa has her beat everywhere. And that includes uh, if this just turns into a we're going to trade hooks and see who goes down first. I think Carol Rosa wins that. I think she is. Uh, not to shit on Betch Cohea too much, but I think Carol Rosa is just better in every single spot. Wrestling, on the feet brawling, on the feet being technical, and for sure on the ground, I favor Rosa. So this is a really, really, really tough fight for Cohea. Yeah, and I think a, a, an aspect of the fight that you didn't even touch upon, which I actually think is, is maybe one of the bigger ones here, is I think the cardio advantage in Carol Rosa's oh, yeah. favor is enormous. Because she, if you go back to her, her UFC debut when she fought Lara Pacopio. I think she landed 170 strikes or something like that. It was some absurd number in a 15-minute period. She Her output was crazy, and she never looked tired. Meanwhile, Betch, who has been loading up on that right hand for the last 15 <laughs> minutes, throws it, misses wildly, and is exhausted one punch later. Because it seems like even saving up for the punch tires her out somehow. So, yeah, like, <laughs> I, you know, and again, not to shit on Betch Koya too much, but she did pop a huge pay-per-view headliner one time. So, uh she can be shit on a little bit now in the latter part of her <laughs> career. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I just think you're right. Rosa in every way, shape, or form. But with that being said, Rosa has still not gotten a finish in the UFC. Do you like her to get one here, or is this another decision? I actually like her to get the finish. After, like, rewatching her last performance, it's like, man, she she has the ability to put everything together. And I think Kohea coming off the sideline for so long is going to be in trouble. Uh, and I'm going to be a little bit more conservative. I am going to take her by decision here. Uh, you know, until I've seen the finishing ability, especially in some of the women's divisions, I, I never seem to be all that convinced that they can until they do. So um, I, I'm going to take Carol Rosa here by decision. 
And that brings us to our next fight, which is one that probably will not go to decision, and that's Devontae Smith versus Jamie Malarkey. Smith, 3-1 and one in the UFC. He last beat Justin Janes by Dr. Savage when he made his eye damn near explode back in February. <laughs> Malarkey, meanwhile, 1-2 and two in the UFC. He's coming off a KO of Kama Worthy back in March. After going 0-2, he knocked out Kama Worthy, who also knocked out Smith, which is kind of the crazy thing. Do you make anything of that crazy MMA math that we can play right there? Unfortunately not, especially because, like, first of all, Kama Worthy fights like a maniac. And second of all, we're talking <laughs> about these, these like, very fast knockouts. So, unfortunately not. that, And unfortunately, too, because I feel like this is one of the harder fights to pick, especially on the prelims. Um, I think this is an absolute dogfight. I think it's going to be, like you said, super fun while it lasts. Like, I don't see this going the distance. Um, I think I'm actually leading Malarkey here a little bit in a, in a small upset, just... I trust his wrestling a little bit, right? He's not, you know, an American D1 national champion or anything like that. But I trust his kind of scrappiness. He reminds me of, like, Nico Price in some ways and that he's going to take whatever you give him and just pour on aggression when he has the chance. Um, Devontae Smith, super, super, super fast hands. Really dangerous on the feet, obviously. But the more I see a malarkey, the more I kind of just favor his ability to be scrappy and aggressive in all spots. And if he can get on top, like there's nothing to say he can't wrap up a choke um, or just tire out Devonte Smith and, and land big ground and pound. Yeah, it, it is definitely a close one here. For me, the difference maker, and, and I'm going to differ with you on this one. I'm going to go with Devonte Smith. The difference maker for me in this one is when I watched Jamie Malarkey kind of, I don't want to say coward because that's the wrong word, but he seemed to shy away from every single time Ferris Zayim threw a jab at him. Um, and Ferris Zayim is a very long bantamweight, which is part of the problem there. But Devontae Smith is also n- not a not long bantamweight. You know what I mean? Like he's got he's got some really long arms too. And he he has his like feeling out period in the beginning where he does throw a ton of jabs. And I think as long as he does that here, he's going to keep the, like, big blows and especially, like, the distance away from Jamie Malarkey, which makes, of course, you know, getting that takedown that I do think he needs. I think Jamie Malarkey needs that takedown in order to win the fight. I think that becomes a lot harder when he starts backing up every time that, you know, Devontae Smith, you know, even faints a jab. So I'm going to say Devontae Smith gets it done here uh, when Malarkey kind of overextends himself once. I'm going to take him by KO. Did did you say officially you're taking Malarkey? And if so, by how? I'm going to say Malarkey by by KO as well late. But I do see, see like, you know. Swings in momentum, similar to the the Malarkey Brad Riddell fight. To be honest, I f- I feel like this fight's gonna go all over the place. All right, and that's gonna do it for the end of our second round. We're gonna take a quick break, and we will be right back with the last three fights in round number three. All right, guys. The last thing that I really love about the All Star app that I've got to tell you about today is their news feed. If you guys are the type of people who get your sports news from social media like Twitter. Stop doing that. Start reading the All-Star app instead because they use a proprietary algorithm. I know this sounds all too science-y for you or too computer techy for you, but they use basically this, this system that only highlights the highest quality of sports news and gets it to you in their feed. Plus, you can personalize that feed with the sports news that only you care about. Because let's face it, we don't necessarily care about all sports the same way, but it's right there for you all in one nice, neat little spot. So if this sounds like something that you'd like, you should go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. 
And we're going to start this round by talking about Douglas Silva de Andrade versus Gaetano Perello. So Andrade has alternated wins and losses for his last six fights. And of course, those six fights have taken him about five years to complete. He last <laughs> lost to Lerone Murphy. That was in January by decision. Perello, meanwhile, took a short notice debut and he lost that debut to Ricky Simon by submission. That was in January. Of course, that is a very tough short notice replacement fight to make your debut on. My question to you is, in that fight with Ricky Simon, he particularly struggled with the wrestling. The wrestling was a very tough thing for him. Do you think that's something that, first of all, Douglas Silva D'Andrage will try to emulate? And second of all, can he emulate? I certainly think he he might try. You know, he's been around the block a bunch. He tried to take down Lerone Murphy a bit in his last fight. Um, He's certainly no Ricky Simone. I don't think he can do it over and over, and I don't think he can get the – well – Physically, Douglas Andrade can certainly slam him. I just don't think that's something you're going to see him doing over and over and over again. Um, and I know Douglas Andrade is a, a pretty decent favorite here, and I actually I'm going to pick him. Um, but I think a lot of that is just baked into that those odds are we don't know a ton about Gaetano Perello at this point, right? I know he's a kickboxer. I know he has kind of poor takedown defense, but like you said, he took that fight on short notice. I feel like there's a lot of questions here, but just like. Based on what we've seen of Douglas Andrade, um, who he's faced, right? He has a win over Marlon Vera that looks really good in retrospect. Um, he is the epitome of like a big Brazilian bruiser. I kind of, I kind of side with that in many aspects. So I'm gonna trepidatiously favor Andrade here. Yeah, and I'm actually for all of those reasons that you sort of just mentioned. I am going to differ with you on this one. I am going to take the newcomer or relative newcomer in Gaetano Perello because two reasons. Number one. You mentioned the win over Marlon Vera and sort of like, you know, he had fights with Piotr Jan and, he, you know, he's fought pretty much at who's who in that division, um, including uh, not only has he fought Piotr Jan, he fought Rob Font in Henning Barrow in, in Marlon Vera. But like if you watched his last fight with Lerone Murphy, he looks like a different fighter. He looked very slow. His punches looked almost labored. And I don't know if that was the two years off in between fights, because it, it certainly could have been that. He was he was gone for like a year and a half in between fights. But like, if he's that much slower than a guy who, you know, on the regional circuit, and granted it was in like European beatdown seven, uh, Gaetano Perello looked really good with the hands and he looked fast and he looked quick. If he's still like the younger, quicker guy here in, in Andrade is as slow as he looked against Lerone Murphy... I think as long as he can't sustain any of those takedowns, I'm going to take Pirello here. And I'm going to say Pirello gets it done. Um, man, I just keep picking decisions. But I'm going to take a decision <laughs> here, too, because I just think he probably wears out Andrade. But, like, hey, he's a tough guy to finish. So I'll take Gaetano Pirello by decision. How do you got Andrade winning? I, th- I like decision. I will say if I was putting money on this fight, I would, like, put money on the underdog here. Just because I, like, how can you be confident on Andrade? What is he? 37 years old at this point, 36. Like he looks all of 36 and all of like a 45 veteran or how many ever fights he has. Yeah. He, he looks like a weathered ass 37 <laughs> and he's like almost a negative 300 favorite. So yeah, to your point, yeah. uh, you got to love the underdog money there. Um, speaking of underdogs, actually neither of these two are underdogs because it's pretty much pick em odds, but the next fight is Shannon Young versus Stephanie Egger. So Young, Lost her debut to Macy Chason. That was on short notice up at 135, which technically she's usually a 125er, although this fight will also be at 35. She lost that fight by decision back in February of 2020. She has not fought since. Uh, Eggers, meanwhile, lost her debut on short notice to Tracy Cortez. That was by decision back in October of 2020. So both of them been away for a year or a year and a half. 
And of course, both of their fights on short notice. So obviously there's not much we can glean from their UFC careers yet, but was there anything in either of those two fights that gives you more confidence for one or the other? Um, I, this doesn't give me more confidence to answer your question directly, but I was disappointed by Stephanie Eggers UFC debut. She is an ADCC trials champion um, and got completely thro- throttled on the ground by Tracy Cortez. Um, the flip side is Shanna Young is also not particularly good on the ground. Um, I don't want to critique her too much. I like both of these fighters, but both of them kind of let me down. Um, Shanna Young doesn't seem to fight with much purpose often. She'll fight kind of balls to the wall in spots where she doesn't need to fight balls to the wall. Um, this is understandably a very, very close fight. I'm going to favor Edgar ever so slightly um, just based on her grappling background. I know I just said she was throttled by Tracy Cortez on the ground, but I think, it, I think she's for sure bigger. I think if she can get on top, that's a very clear path to victory. Um, and the flip side is I don't think Shannon Young has a super, super clear path to victory. Yeah, and I think you're right about the size for sure, because obviously Edgar is a natural 135-er, which it, it definitely plays into this fight. But I'm actually going to take Shanna Young here, and the reason why is when I was watching that fight with Macy Chason, she actually looked pretty good in the clinch with Macy Chason, who is a massive bantamweight, like an absolutely massive bantamweight. So, like, if she was able to, like, kind of go muscle for muscle with her, granted, Chason, not, like, a very technical grappler, but going muscle for muscle with Macy Chason and holding her own, I like that enough. As long as she doesn't really tire out in this Egger fight, um, you know, going that aforementioned balls to the wall style. I, I like her to win by decision, and apparently I'm just going to pick everybody to win by decision. So, uh, and that brings us to our last fight, which is Alejandro Perez versus Johnny Eduardo. Speaking of weird fights, Perez lost his last two fights to Cody Stamen and Song Yudong. The last one of those was by knockout in July of 2019. But get this, we can top that. Eduardo has lost two straight fights as well to Matthew Lopez, who's no longer in the UFC, and Nathaniel Wood, one of those by KO, one of those by submission. The most recent one was June of 2018. That's right. So they have been away for quite a bit of time between the two of them. Assuming that they're even close to being what they were the last time we saw them, which do you have more hope for here, continuing their UFC career? Uh, I'm going to go with Alejandro Perez, but, like, how can you have any com- – I mean, how many comebacks has Johnny Eduardo had at this point in his career? He's if taken- he makes it to the fight, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's had so many long layoffs. How often do you see a 41-year-old bantamweight? Um, at a certain point, you know, the the cliff has got to fall – like, he's got to fall off the cliff. He's He's, you know – you see 41-year-old heavyweights, and you think, oh, they're past their prime. A guy at that age at bantamweight, there's got to be a point of diminishing returns. Um, hasn't won a fight since 2016, and that was against Mandy Gambirian. Um, Perez is not terrible, I don't think. Um, that knockout against Song Yadong was awful. So even though it's been a minute since that fight, it's almost kind of a good thing because that looked, that was a knockout that feels like it takes at least a year to recover from. Um, so I'm going to go with Perez just on the strength of, like, he is a bit younger, um, and I trust him a little bit more at this point, but I don't know how anybody could be confident in this fight either way. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't feel confident, but I am going to take Perez too, and I'll also say this. like He also, in the, the Cody Stamen fight, showed he has a little bit of wrestling, which I think is wildly lacking from Johnny Eduardo's game. Um, you know, like he, 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 Johnny Eduardo wants to throw hands with you all the time, and, and for the most part, Alejandro Perez does too, but... 
I think people forget that Alejandro Perez, even if it was, you know, 10 years ago at this point in time, did take Cody Stammen down. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like that's worth something for me. So if they are even just shells of their old self, I like Alejandro Perez here. And you know what? Just to mix things up, I'm going to take him by finish. Let's say he gets a, <laughs> let's say he gets a second round TKO. How about you? I like Perez. I'm going to say guillotine choke. He has a pretty good one, actually. We haven't seen it in a while, but I like I like I like him getting a submission here. All right. And that's going to do it for the end of our third and final round. We hope you guys learned a little bit something today. I, of course, want to remind you guys that you can check out my co-host on his podcast as well, the Fix Fights podcast with Kurt and Ben, which you can find on Twitter at Fix Fights Pod. And of course, you can find him on Twitter at Benjamin Abrigo. Ben, thanks so much for the time, man. Always. Thank you.